Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Today, I am joined by Jeremy Delk. He is uh, an author. Apparently, he doesn't have a plan, so I'm not sure what's going on here. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, Omar. Superb. Uh, you know, what's kind of interesting is uh, that old saying, you know, if you want God to laugh, tell him you have a plan. And, you know, even all the militaries of the world, uh, uh, pretty much they know that, you know, uh, what's that? The great philosopher, Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth, which I love. Exactly. Uh, and so tell me about uh, what made you write the book, and uh, then we'll kind of delve back into your career and uh, your entrepreneurship. Yeah, no, for sure. I'd love, love to. So I think you know, a, a good friend of mine, go to some masterminds together named Roland Frazier, he kind of hit me with this one day and said, you know, um, Jeremy, you don't value what you know uh, because you know it. And it's, it was very simple, but a bit profound, right? And I think when you look back at the last 20 plus year career that I've had, um, I've got, you have some 500 fastest growing companies and some taking companies public and private and successful exits. And everyone has that CV, if you will, of uh, accomplishments. But what I really realized is that um, that's just all it is. It's just your CV. It isn't really that impressive or, or important. Um, it's what happened behind the scenes that no one, no one really saw or talks about, which were all those failures, right? So um, that was a drive to originally start to, to write the book. And it started off very much as a business book um, of, you know, list of accomplishments, failures, overcoming adversity, et cetera. And then it quickly, you know, ramped into uh, a memoir because okay. I, I felt a bit disingenuine, right? That, you know, you're only talking about the business side of it, but business is very personal as well. Right. So I really started sharing in that personal side of things. So it's kind of brought two things for me. Number one, there's so many overnight successes in the music world. And when you talk to them, it's like, yeah, dude, it took 10 years of dive bars and being uh, no one, more people in the band than the audience. And then instantly we became overnight successes. But uh, it, it takes uh, effort and tenacity to keep on going. And to the outside world, it looks like, oh, my God, you're so lucky. You came up with this idea, Jeremy, and you made it happen. It's like, uh, nope, it took a lot of bruises to get there. And uh, so why do you think we have this romanticism because of the overnight success? It's a good question. I don't know if I've been asked that. I think it's more of someone that just, hey, they're not confident in themselves in doing it. And then they got lucky or yeah. Uh, oh, wow. That's, that's happened. Well, they just had the right place. And, and I don't discount luck. Sometimes being in the right place, um, you know, does help. But, you know, I've found that the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? You, you hear that adage. And I think so many people, you know, on, instead of romanticizing, I think so many people 
have this, in my opinion, misconception. I think it's in childhood within school and then society that failure is such a bad thing. In reality, I think it should be celebrated and that's really discovered because that's where you truly learn. Yeah. And it just, yeah, I think that that's, that's the biggest piece. And for me, like writing this book for the last, you know, summarizing the last 42 years of my life, um, but really the last 20 years of business, I didn't want to just talk about some theory of like, if you don't have a plan, you're going to be more fluid and you can make more decisions, all of which may be true. But I went from small town kid from Nowheresville, Kentucky to, you know, building a multi-million dollar portfolio at 19 to blowing it up in four days to a successful but short career on Wall Street, to a building material business, making windows in Germany and Italy, which I knew nothing about, to real estate development, to regenerative medicine and healthcare, human health, pharmacy, epigenetics, back to coaching, speaking, and podcasting. There is, I assure you, no playbook nor map to get to any of those steps, right? But you, you know, you, you make forward motions, you get, you know, you take action and, you know, it's life's the journey. Right. And I think that's where people get hung up there. They have to have it all figured out and they suffer from this, you know, analysis, uh, paralysis from analysis. And that's how great ideas and great companies either fail or never even get off the ground and get started because you're, you're just so worried about having it all figured out. We, none of us have it figured out, man. We, you, you don't yeah. So I'm going to go back to something that you said a little while ago, only because uh, it's a funny quote. I'm not sure whose quote it is, but it's totally genius. You know, success is all about luck. Ask any failure. Uh, but yeah, so uh, number two, you know, you basically you can't stick with anything, can you, Jeremy? It's all this journey. But uh, that's the joy of life is I think there is uh, a lot of martial arts have these patterns and the patterns are designed to give you the ability to hold your own no matter what the situation happens to be. And I think that's kind of what you're describing in your book is basically, you know, how to have the nimbleness of mind that when uh, things go sideways, that you've got the ability to uh, make sense of it and make a better decision at the moment. Uh, am I reading that right? Or do you want to kind of alter that a little bit? Yeah, well, um, for sure. There's definitely a piece of that. Um but I think the other component is you may have the wrong plan. So gr great thing. And I talk about this in depth in, in my book. Um, we went into the, I, I went into the window and door business with yes. a business partner of mine solely to have an arbitrage because I was building, I was living in New York and I was building single family and multifamily homes back in Bartown, Kentucky. So I thought, hey, one of the things you need for a house is windows, might as well you know, be a partner. And then I would save some money there. That, that was what it was. Then I ended up getting in the retail window space. If I had put down pen and paper that I wanted to be the greatest window retail window, um, salesperson owner, maybe I wanted to get five locations. It, it really would have been the wrong plan because it wouldn't have led me to, you know, doing, you know, Ritz Carlton's Carl icons house, Calvin Klein in, in the Hamptons, you know, these massive multi-million dollar window projects meet, you know, flying over 80 to hundred architects to Germany and Italy to the factories that we were making our own brand. And like, so it just would have been the wrong idea because we were only seeing, you know, what's under that, uh, um, uh, under that iceberg, right. We only seen the tip at the top right. so much more. And it just, because we didn't know what, what were we going into. And, and I think it just, you, you 
not everyone should be an entrepreneur. And I think that's okay. So I'm going to tie me out there just for a second. Cause, uh, for a lot of people, they can't move without a plan and, uh, having a plan is about confidence. And so what you're suggesting is, you know, had I made a plan, I would have stayed in a really small space. So kind of walk me through that. Cause I think there is, you know, like great insight there is sometimes just having faith in yourself and letting something unfold as it should isn't really taught in uh, Harvard Business School. Well, I don't know that I ever actually articulated it as clearly as you, but it's what I meant to say a lot of times. And it's really not profound. People tend not to want to have the, uh, not to get started without the plan solely because of the lack of confidence, right? They are so scared of failing and what someone else is going to think of them that, that, that gives them that answer. That's actually so, so profound. And I think for me, um, what, what's happened is why I'm an overnight success and things come easier. It's because I have this, I've gotten right hooked, kicked in the head. I've had a lot of those, those failures where every time I put myself back up, I now like, well, I've seen that. So it doesn't scare me as much. So I'll just go through and go through. So it, that takes time and, and kind of uh, kind of grit. When I coach clients now and I kind of work with them and you probably do the same thing. I'm a masochist anomaly that just like, I need to go in without a, without a net on a tight rope, you know, 10,000 feet in the air. And I just figured out that edge for me helps me get there, but I'm, I'm not the norm. And I don't recommend anyone doing that unless, unless you're wired the same way. But what you can do is figure out where your comfort zone is and just scrape past that, right? And then you're going to be like, well, I'm failure. We'll talk about it. What does it mean if you fail, right? Would you be embarrassed? Would you lose money? Would you go through? And if, and if you can just go through and push yourself over, and even if you do fail, you realize, hey, it wasn't in the world and I can keep moving forward and pushing it through. Then each step as you go, you'll get further and further along in your Absolutely. Uh, journey. So two things there. Once I saw this guy do a keynote speech and he was talking about failure and falling down and literally on stage, he goes, boom, and does this fall. And he says, even when you fall down, you're six feet closer to your goal than you were before you fell, which was like freaking genius. Yeah. Uh, and, and two, uh, I read this, well, I heard of this book. I'm not read it yet. It's by Marcus Aurelius, emperor of Rome. And he had this book that he was talking advice about, you know, family, politics, finances. And at the end of every chapter, he had this one sage piece of advice, Jeremy, at least you're not dead. And, and so people are so afraid of dying, uh, either in, uh, their social lives, people will judge me, make fun of me, think I'm a failure or physically. I mean, how many times have you come, come close to being financially bankrupt? And people listening to this, oh, yeah, I can't, I've come close, but you still survive and you still have a house, a car, family. And so I think learning from your mistakes, one of the things that I really like doing or teaching is very much when something bad happens is to do one simple thing. Uh, I'm going to demonstrate it here and is like, just take a breath as just a little reset and then take a look at what's the universe trying to teach me from this. And I'll tell you the other steps later, but sometimes we get so focused on not failing that that's what we end up doing. Yeah. And like, you know, I know we're doing lives and then we'll, we'll, we'll you'll, you'll post this podcast out, but I, I've got like a really crazy bit of insight for 
all of these everything. No one cares about <gasps> No, Jeremy, but people are watching me. I'm a trendsetter in my family. Yeah, no one really cares, right? I think I, that we, we really celebrate, oh my God, like, they don't. They may look and you go through and you, you may be a talk of something for a minute. They don't care about you. They care about them. Yep. And sooner you accept that, that you have that confidence in, you know, some of my openings in my book, you know, I've, I lived in New York a long time. I, I curse, I go through, I'm authentic. And the people who accept me for me, I know I love, and they, we have that piece. If I can help you and we don't connect, that's fine. Like, but it's life's too short, right? You have to just be comfortable with yourself and do what's doing it for you. There's so many people that are doing whatever it is to get someone else's, you know, approval, or approval yeah. and reassurance. Be the best you, whether that's coaching, business, just be happy with yourself. I'm telling you, if you can do that and stop giving a shit what anyone else thinks, other than your wife, family, your kids, like people that look up to you, besides that, you, your life, I promise you, you will find the biggest amount of peace and, and self-confidence. It, it's like your breath. It, it's, it's, it's like a, a, new, a new world. It really is. So adding on to that, I fully agree. I think uh, one of the most important things is intent. And if the intent of this interview was to show you how smart I am, Jeremy, Jeremy this would be a totally different vibe to the show. Uh, so I think finding your most strongest authentic self isn't a selfish gesture if your intent is to do good in the world or with your family. Because one of the, what brought it up was you were saying, well, you know, uh, for your family and your loved ones, you need to be you know, uh, more cognizant of it. And, uh, and um, uh, I would challenge that a little bit and say, once you become the authentic self and your intent is to love and help your family do better, that that is the least selfish thing you can do. But it's a scary proposition because we're A, not trained how to find your authentic self. And B, we're so programmed to, oh, in business, I need to be the smart one, or I need to be this one, or I need to be this. And we take on these personas that are not us, and it takes so much energy to maintain who we think we are versus who we're supposed to be. And that once you become your authentic self, uh, as I can kind of tell with you, Jeremy, is you and I are talking here. If I met you at a, at a coffee shop and just two dudes drinking coffee, I'd see the same person there. Or if you were hanging out with, uh, you know, somebody from uh, Elon Musk, the same Jeremy is going to show up. What it creates yeah. is this sense of safety for people around you. And it's like, I'm not sure what it is about you, but I just feel better when I'm around you. And I think that's the superpower all of us have. And that's part of the journey of being human and reaching our potential is not going outward, but going inward. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, um, I mean, I can go emotionally. I've been through a ton of therapy and all these things, but being vulnerable is, is crucial to that. You have to be vulnerable and that goes into self-confidence. I don't think you can have true connect connection with love partners, business, unless you have that vulnerability to really put yourself out there and just be able to, you know, be real. And I, I mean, I invest in business and I, I, and I see, I do all these things. The first kid that comes in and says, oh yeah, I've got it all figured out won't get a dollar from me like mm -hmm. own oh, i'm creative i'm all over the place i'm a visionary you want me to like you know take something incrementally and go seven percent i'm not your guy be okay with who you are and then surround yourself with the the people and the team around you that helps fill in the gaps of where you're where you're not and it's a lot 
easier to live. Cause you're right. You have some of these people that are on social media living, Hey, this is who I am. And then to my family and this, dude, that's exhausting. I, I couldn't imagine yeah. being that like, this is who I am, whether we're doing a billion dollar deal in the boardroom, whether we're at my son's lacrosse game tonight, like this is me. And that's, that's it. It's a much easier way to live. Just like telling the truth, being honest. I mean, it's, it's easier. It's a much, it's, 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 a, it's a less it's, effort, it's, it's less effort. Yeah. So I think part of the problem is people don't realize how to uncover who they are. So I think a fundamental human right is to figure out your purpose in life. Because once you figure out your purpose in life, it allows you when you're building a company to make the mission of the company, your personal purpose. And when you do that, you don't have, it just brings clarity and strength to you as a business person and as a business. And when you take a look at your values around business, like I values for me, it's like having fun is really important with this laughter, with the employees, with the customers, uh, making a difference. And those fundamental things are important to me as a human being. And if I map them over to my company, then my company is a true representation of me and I can be the poster child without having to get a consultant go, we're here for the dedication of the planet and the dolphins and right. all that BS because uh, it's inauthentic and I think there's power there. But before we go further, Jeremy, uh, what I'd like you to do is dig deep into the memory banks and tell me about a particular time where fear came up where you made a mistake, but it was took a while to get the insight of what the lesson was and to move forward and let the Jeremy 2.0 emerge. Cause you know, it's easy to say, write it down, but when you live it, sometimes it's hard to go. So I'll give you a quick example. Sometimes I'm doing something and it's a loved one says, do you realize you did that? And it's like, no, did I? And sometimes you don't even see it till it's there. So have you had one of those where you, came at this crossroad and it took you a while to figure out what it was. And then you crossed the, uh, Rubicon. Yeah, I do. So, um, it's fresh in memory from the bank. So I don't have to dig too hard because of this, uh, painstaking process of writing a, a memoir. A book, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mentioned, you know, a little bit of highlights of my career and I, and I mentioned that I, uh, grew up, uh, it was a $30,000, um, portfolio it was an inheritance. Um, into two, into about 2 million bucks in a year and a half. I was 19 and I blew it up in four days, massive failure, um, into the world world world's caving in. And, uh, what I didn't tell you was that $30,000 was inheritance from, from my dad, uh, dying. So um, oh, wow. when I was seven, um, he had a tragic motor accident and I talk about it in the book and talk about being vulnerable. I mean, I shared everything. There was, I mean, the good and the bad and, um, I'm an imperfect human like the rest of us. And, and I think maybe even more so in, in, in some parts of my life, but, uh, there's a, for probably 30 years there, at least 30 years of my life, I, there was a chance I was supposed to be on the back of that bike with him. And yeah. I struggle with that a lot. And then, and I think that's what drove me so much is that you have this idea of having to do more, see more, be more, because you're not promised to you know, today, much less tomorrow. And that really hit me hard. Uh, cause I've made money, lost money, made millions. Lost. I, I, that's, that's fine. But losing my money, right. Uh, it's my money, right. If losing I, that money, especially well, that money wasn't mine. And I fuck, I, I squandered it. And I, I just, I was a disappointment and it was, it, it, it was, I was in a dark, dark place. Um, 
we didn't come from, I didn't come from any money. You know, uh, my parents were postal workers, my mom and my stepdad were postal workers. So like we had a, a comfortable childhood, but like, not like we were wealthy. So when I lost all that money at, at I had expenses, I had bought a condo at 19, like every college freshman does. I had a brand new car at all these expenses and I had a choice, right? I could have, uh, my story could have been pretty short, not, not, um, not this thick, right? Um, it could have been, uh, Hey, young kid makes it, you know, loses everything and goes back home, but that wasn't going to be my story. So after about six days of feeling bad for myself, I, I picked myself up because I had to, and you know, that happenstance, a few odd jobs led me to become the, the young, youngest institutional equity trader at fidelity history. And then my career went, went on, but it was only until about five years ago that I really kind of did some deep therapy work and, and realized that a, that a hundred percent was the best thing in my life that ever happened to me mm -hmm. losing the money because it taught me the self-confidence, right. And it's happened throughout that I can overcome adversity and you can pick yourself up yeah. and you don't always know what, what, what it holds and you, and you live your life and just keep going forward, which a lot of these lessons are in that book. Yeah. So it taught me that. And I think, you know, it, it really summarized for me that it wasn't me losing my dad and th blaming myself for, for not being on that bike. Right. Like it was the level of instability that I saw after with my mom and all that, that that's what's the driving force for me financial security and all that for my kids. Cause I didn't want to be dependent and be in, in that, in that piece. And I wasn't vulnerable. I never wanted to get hurt again. Right. I never wanted to be left again. So that I talk about all this in the book, like the personal side, you know, I lived a life through, you know, someone else's eyes that would be overnight success and private jets and doing all the crap and spending things but I was miserable, man. You know, I had the cars yeah. and watches, but wasn't happy. And so, it, yeah. So just adding to that, th a thank you for sharing that story. And two, there's a really good chance that you would you would have turned into a dick being young, <laughs> that much wealth. I mean, yeah. it's humbling losing it. So there's probably a gift in there somewhere. Sure. And so uh, some of the things that you know, my greatest accomplishments. I'll tell you about one of them. Uh, this young lady came in to see me and what prompted her to come in, her mom brought her in, is that uh, she, mom's making uh, dinner in the kitchen and this young lady is, uh, we'll call her Janet, not her real name, obviously. So Janet's upstairs, she's 11 in her bedroom and there's a knock on the door, more of a pounding on the door. So mom stops cooking, goes to the front door, takes care of the issue, uh, comes back uh, and as she's coming back to the kitchen, she shouts up uh, to Janet, says, Janet, doesn't hear it back and she goes, starts panicking. Oh, what's going on? So she goes up to see her and can't find her. She's not in her bedroom. She's not in the bathroom. Now the mother's really freaking out and she goes into the master bedroom, into the closet there. And she's standing there uh, trembling and she's urinated herself in her uh, mom's closet. And wow. so mom's freaking out and she talks to a friend that says, you know, send uh, Janet in to see Umar. He'll be able to help. So she brings her in and uh, our mutual friend told me the story that uh, when uh, Janet was three, her dad went into the bathroom. He was a heroin addict and he OD'd and died. And now mom's remarried to this, you know, really amazing guy. And uh, when they come in, Janet's sitting in front of me and it's like, uh, I just get this intuitive sense, Janet, uh, would you like to meet your dad? And she goes, yeah. And so I put her in a hypnotic trance had her go into a cottage, there's two chairs, she sits in one, 
just say your dad's name and he's going to appear in the chair before you when he's there, just uh, lift up your finger. So she does this. Now's your chance to tell your dad how much you love him, how much you miss him. He's going to respond back when that conversation's over, just lift up your finger. If you're angry at him, disappointed, open issues, now's the time to discuss. He's going to respond back, lift up the finger. And now it's your dad's turn to tell you how much he loves you and misses you and cares for you. When that conversation's over, lift up your finger. And if your dad's got any kind of disappointments, he's going to share them with you. You can discuss it after that, lift up your finger. And then all this is happening in her mind. And then I go, uh, before your dad goes, if you want, you can uh, get up and give him a hug. And she actually gets up out of the chair with her eyes closed and walks over about three feet and goes like this to hug him. Wow. And I'm going, oh my God. Uh, but she comes back, sits down. And then I go, uh, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to get to three. You're going to feel fantastic. One, two. And she comes out of her trance. And then she tells me what's going on is that since her dad died, she's convinced that someone's going to come and kill her mother. Wow. And she's been living with this deep in her unconscious and that pounding on the door just triggered it. Wow. And mom reports back a week later saying, uh, uh, she's doing better at school, better in sports, and she's just a lot happier. And we had no idea this was going on underneath because she was masking it so well. Wow. And so I think that's, just the ability to help human beings uh, become their best selves is, I think, the journey for all of us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thank you for sharing your journey and uh, especially those, you know, spots where, you know, uh, it was our most trying times. And I think uh, oftentimes people hide those from themselves and people around them. And at the end of the day is uh, you talked about vulnerability vulnerability is not a weakness. It's really a strength when you can share those stories, when you share it with the intent of, I want you to feel sorry for me. Yeah, no good. When it's like, Hey, I want to share this just so you know who I am. And if this adds value to you, uh, when we do this in a workshop, I ask, you know, does anybody judge, uh, you know, uh, this person that stood up, uh, badly. And everyone's like, no, right. there's like 50, 60 people. And that's the reality we need to realize is people are com compassionate, loving, and the only thing you have to do for them is be yourself. Right. I couldn't agree more. Powerful. So Jeremy, right now you're really successful. And when you're sitting down with someone that you're mentoring, what's one piece of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners that you share with them that allows them to maybe dream bigger dreams or to show up more powerfully? Yeah. I mean, it, it starts really with one question and, and it's often several questions after that because the first answer is mostly BS, but it's really, what's your, why, why, why are you doing this? Because they all come to you. I want to build a bigger business. I want to sell my company. Want, and it's always the, the blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, okay, why, what, what's your why? And until you, you dig down and, and peel back that oven to win uh, onion rather, where you can really say, Hey, it's, it, it's visceral. You had this feeling and it could be cause I just want to spend time with my family or freedom, or I want to make impact and change the world. Or it's because I see a problem with humanity or, or, um, the environment I, and, until you get to that visceral feeling where it's that obsession, you're not there yet. 
And then once I have them there and, and they understand truly where their why is, then you start building and working around that. And then, then that comes with a set of values and, and that does that come through? And then are you doing everything in your business? So it, it really starts, starts there. And if you can break that down into that really simple understanding, it, it, it changes the game because most people are doing things as we said, for other people and they're chasing someone else. It's not their goals. It's not, it's, that's, that's what it's, it, it's not, they're not aligned and they've done it so long. They can't recognize it. Mar. Yeah. You lose yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You, you do it. And you're just, well, this is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. And like, well, why, why? Yeah. And just uh, two things on that. Number one, that, uh, you know, once you know that that's the foundation you can build a life upon, and that's the foundation you need because you are going to get kicked in the balls on this journey. And the stronger that foundation is, the more resi resilient you are, uh, the more you can kind of rebound quickly. And uh, the second thing is, dear listeners and viewers, you don't have to have a why that's I want to make the world a better place or something like noble. It just could be like, you know, I really want to build a great company. That is my why. I want to leave something for my kids as a legacy. And it could be a very mercenary kind of thing. It doesn't have to be a curing cancer kind of thing. But I agree 100%. Once you get down to that fundamental, why are you doing this? Uh, one of the things I love is this. Uh, you could get... Uh, somebody in grade five and the teacher says, Jeremy, you'll never amount to anything. And Jeremy A goes, oh. and their entire life is set up for failure from there on. Yeah. You can get another Jeremy where the teacher says that. And that Jeremy goes, F watch you. Me. Yeah. Watch me, watch baby. Me. Yeah. And I'm going to, when I'm a billionaire, I'm going to come visit you. Right? <laughs> All right. And so uh, it's, it's our mindset determines how we see the world. And that's why listening and working with people like you uh, gives us the benefit of your confidence in us. Because oftentimes what you're doing in your book is lending people your confidence. So for a moment, they can go, maybe I deserve this. Maybe I can do this too. And leveraging your confidence sets them on the journey. And in that journey, they get experience and strength and become the person that uh, you always wanted them to be. Yeah. And I think just honing into your why and then realizing that it's not a destination. It's not because, okay, you want to build a company. It's a direction, baby. It's yeah. a direction. That's it. That's it. Because when you get there, there's always going to be another level. I promise you. I've tried. You can't catch it. There's always another level. Just I want to touch on one thing that you just said that I say all the time. I firmly believe in life there is nothing more than a series of events. Yeah. There's no such thing as a good thing or a bad thing that happens to you or for you or us. It's the actions and emotions that we place on those events that later determine if they were good or bad. So your analogy of the fifth grade, Jeremy, a hundred percent, right? But the cool thing is that's an internal deal. We can decide that we can decide and you can take a breath like, Hey, take your breath. How do I want to react to this? Oh, that's going to be funny. It's going to be interesting. It's your choice, not external, yeah. internal of, of how you choose to take actions and elicit emotions to that event that determines if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing for you. Crikey, you're smart, Jeremy. I don't know about that, but the uh, before we part company, a uh, few questions. Sure, Jeremy, what brings joy into your life? Uh, my kids, my kids, my wife. Nice. And uh, what's a mind hack you'd like to share with uh, 
our listeners, something they can implement right away that would make them better, stronger, faster, sexier? Yeah, I think the, the obviously leaning off of the figure out what your why is, but then I think communication really think about, and it all has to do the things we talked about your authentic self and who you are, but ask sometimes, and I'm, I'm not good at this sometimes, right? Sometimes we need help. Um, and that can be come from a mentor or a friend, a family member, or we've got emotions, communicate, like share how you feel, be vulnerable on that. And then you'll, you'll be surprised. You'll have someone that maybe feels similarly or dissimilarly and the communication, especially coming out of this pandemic that we had where we're all, you know, social and only on phones, have a conversation. Let's go to that coffee shop and sit down and, and ask how someone's doing or what's going on with them. And then, and then share that communication and listen, like right two ears, listen more than more than you're speaking and that it, it, it just it's good for the soul it's good to learn and, and, it, and i think that's that's really something i, I, would, I would encourage you because you never know where where it takes you that conversation that interaction absolutely i think uh words to live by jeremy thanks so much for coming on the program really enjoyed it and we're going to put all the links so people can find you in the show notes thanks again thanks so much appreciate it If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 